Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, a show where we spotlight companies making money by making the world a better place. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and if you share a passion for using commerce to solve many of the world's most pressing problems, then this is the show for you. Hello, and welcome to the Business for Good podcast, episode number 84. Before we get on to this episode, I just want to share one piece of listener mail. Adam from British Columbia sent in a very nice message writing, Hey, Paul, hope you're doing well. Just want to say that I recently discovered Business for Good podcast, and I am loving it. It is highly informative and super inspirational. It makes me want to start my own business to help improve the world. Well, Adam, I hope you will do just that, and I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe one day talking with you about it on this show. That would be awesome. So thanks so much for listening and for the kind words. And by the way, there's four seasons of Business for Good podcast, so don't just listen to the new episodes. You can go back and listen to the older ones. A lot of them are evergreen and really interesting and inspirational too. Oh, and by the way, Adam, you should totally leave an Apple podcast review, as should everyone else listening to this as well. Now on to episode 84. One of the most common questions that I get from listeners is, how can I invest in the companies that you feature on the show? Well, most of them are startups that are on the hunt for VC dollars, and that means that the average retail investor just isn't typically going to be able to invest in these early-stage private companies. But what if there were a way to invest money in an index fund that only included companies working to replace the exploitation of animals in our economy? It turns out that there is now such a fund, and it was co-founded by Elizabeth Alfano. Perhaps she is most well-known as the host of the Plant-Based Business Hour, But Elizabeth has now started the VegTech Plant-Based Innovation and Climate ETF, which is traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker EATV. Think of it kind of like the S&P 500, but instead it's more like the Plant-Based 40. That's because this ETF, or Exchange Traded Fund, is a collection of 40 publicly traded companies up and down the animal-free supply chain. This isn't companies that only are just not harming animals. Rather, it's companies that are actively involved in actually replacing animal use in the economy. That includes well-known players like Beyond Meat and Oatly, but also the ingredients companies that supply them and more. The basic bet is that over time, the inefficiency of animal use will drag down the companies that are dependent on it, while animal-free companies are going to thrive. The ETF was launched right around the beginning of 2022, and anyone, regardless of how much you have to invest, can take that bet on animal-free technologies and invest in it, whether conventionally through Fidelity or Charles Schwab, but also through Robinhood and E-Trade and more. So basically, instead of betting on one or two companies in the space, an ETF is a way to diversify your bet, as the performance will just be the sum performance of all of the companies in that ETF. And in case you were wondering, yes, the ETF does have Tesla in it, not just for its climate impact, but also since the electric car maker has now gone leather-free too. Elizabeth is someone who has devoted much of her life to trying to help animals, which of course I greatly admire, and I'm rooting for the success of her new venture here too, so that both animals and the people who want to invest in a better future for them will both be better off. Elizabeth, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. As you know, I am a regular listener of your podcast, and I'm honored that I've been a guest on your podcast twice. I presume I'm not the only person to repeat, but I do have an aspiration to three-peat. And so I don't know if I'm going to be like the Tom Brady of the Plant-Based Business Hour here, but I don't know. I presume I'm not the only person to repeat. Is that correct? You're not the only person to repeat, but you are just one of two, and you shall be the only person to three-peat, which I think we might do in March together. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, what an honor. I'm so glad. I was only speaking half in jest, but you just reminded me that, yes, I I do remember that now. So 
I cannot wait. I will be the Brady of the plant-based business hour. So I am so glad. Okay. But we are not here to talk about your podcast, which is an interesting show unto itself. And I do encourage people to listen to it. It's a great way to hear from people who are helping to lead and advance uh, the plant-based business world. So if you don't subscribe to it, I do recommend it. But you have a new endeavor, a new business of your own here. And I'm really looking forward to talking about it. So Let's just get right down to this, Elizabeth, because for a lot of people, the financial world is a murky world. They don't comprehend it. You have started a new ETF. So for those who aren't in the know, what is an ETF? Yes. Okay. So an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. It's available on the public stock market. So we're talking about public opportunities here, not venture capital, not private equity. And an ETF is going to be a basket of companies that encapsulate a specific theme. So if you're interested in investing in a specific theme, like we are, of course, we're investing in veg tech. In fact, we are defining and leading a completely new investment sector, veg tech being companies that are innovating with plants and plant-derived ingredients to create animal-free products for sustainable consumption. We believe this is part of a global secular trend. Probably all the folks listening to your great podcast here understand that as well, see that plant-based innovation. And we'll talk about how plant-based innovation is also fermented proteins and cultivated meat, not just plant-based foods, is really the way of the future. More and more consumers are demanding this, but also more and more industry folks, you know, as, as you at the Better Food Company start to work with Hormel and, and other companies like this, industry folks are also seeing the writing on the wall for better business equations. They want to use their resources in a better manner, and they're looking at plant-based innovation to do that. So we believe from all sides of the aisle, the consumer as well as established food industry is pushing towards plant-based innovation. So we are excited to be the only ETF focusing on plant-based innovation. And that is the innovation that actually replaces animals from the food and material supply system for a much more efficient food future. Very nice. So there's so much to unpack there, Elizabeth, and I want to get into a lot of that. But just to be sure that people know what we're talking about here. So you can go, most people have heard of the S&P 500. You can go invest in the S&P 500. These are these 500 companies that they think are basically representative of publicly traded companies out there. And you know you can just invest in the market. And that's one way to basically buy stock in a fund like that. What you're doing though is not the S&P 500. It's more like the plant-based 40 because you have 40 stocks that are in this ETF that you have created. And we can talk about what those are. So basically, if you invest in the VegTech ETF, you're essentially investing in a fund that is pegged to the performance of these 40 companies that you, Elizabeth, and your colleagues have determined are the ones that you think are the not only from a mission impact perspective, we're going to do good for animals and the planet and so on, but also are going to provide good returns. Is that an accurate assessment of what is happening here? That is 100% an accurate description of what's going on here. And I'll just add a little bit more to say so We are listed on the New York Stock Exchange, huge honor there, but you can go wherever you normally go to buy your stocks. And as you say, you know, some people might invest in the S&P 500. That, of course, makes a lot of sense. Some people might choose to invest in VegTech, and you can do that through Schwab or Fidelity or Robinhood or whatever is easiest for you. And I love that you say that it is the plant-based 40. I'll probably use that. That's so nice and, and snappy. So, you know, you have diversification over 40 companies, even though all of these 40 companies are working towards the same mission and goal. 
And a lot of people have said to me, well, now hold on. I've heard of Oatly and I know of Beyond Meat, but like where are the other 38 companies coming from? And one of the things that my partner, Dr. Sasha Goodman, and I wanted to do together is we wanted to invest through our ETF up and down the plant-based supply chain. So of course it's CPG, the stuff that you buy in the grocery store, but it's also the ingredient companies behind them. It's also the technology companies that are working on research and innovations in fermented proteins and cultivated meat. It's also all the ag tech companies that are doing greenhouses and using less animal manure and, you know, focusing on really plants and the distribution of plants to people. And it's also materials. You know, we say plant-based and we're always thinking of food, but it's also makeup companies and material companies uh, because we need to get animals out of both the food and material supply chain for a better impact on our environment. We can talk about that too, if you'd like. I do want to talk about that. It's a perfect segue, Elizabeth. So tell me, why should I or any listener here invest in this as opposed to anything else? So if I, if let's say I'm really concerned about my ROI, of course, I care about animals, but this is my money after all. I want to make sure I'm going to get the most money for my investment. So why is it better to invest in the plant-based 40? I'm not, we're going to use that term again, rather than the S&P 500 or any other thing that I could invest in. I could just go put it on Amazon or Tesla, which of course are popular stocks right now. But why am I going to do better in the VegTech ETF? What's the argument for investing in this fund? Okay, well, I am certainly not going to tell anybody else what to do with their money. So this is a perfect segue for me to uh, read all the disclosures that FINRA would like me to read. So, you know, investing, of course, involves risk, everybody. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses must be considered carefully before investing. The prospectus and summary prospectus contain this and other important information about the investment company, that's us, and it may be obtained by visiting eatv.vegtechinvest.com. Read it carefully. Before investing, you'll find the prospectus. You'll find our top 10 companies. Then you can click on a link and you'll find the plant-based 40. You'll have all the information you need to make a decision for yourself. And of course, investing is a personal decision. I want everyone to make their own personal decision. That said, to answer why... Yes, and before you do answer, I just want to say, for, and appreciate that disclaimer, for those who aren't familiar, FINRA is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. It's basically a self-regulatory organization that regulates brokerage firms and exchange markets, like what we're talking about here. So that's what Elizabeth is talking about. But so now with that disclaimer, Elizabeth, why? Why should I invest in, in VegTech? What, what's the argument that I'm going to get a better return? Not just that I'm going to do good in the world. Yeah, so let me tell you exactly. First of all, I'll say continue to invest in the S&P 500 or whatever you do. So no one is saying, take out all your money and put it here. What we are saying, however, is some of your money. So I was recently asked by the New York Stock Exchange itself in a podcast called What's the Fund? They asked, well, you know, what should people invest in? And I say, look, if you are anyone living on planet Earth and care about your air, your water, your land, and air, water, and land for the generations to come that you love, particularly your family, then you're going to want to invest in a satellite way as part of your portfolio. What I mean by that is, you know, if you don't care about animals or secular trends, you just want to live on the planet, so that's everybody, you're probably looking at 3% of your portfolio. You would divert to this because you believe that you are looking for innovations that make a healthier world. Now, if you are a legacy investor, someone that has children, someone that gets the memo, their kids are already plant-based, maybe they're even dabbling in plant-based, they see the writing on the wall, there's a secular trend here, they want to take advantage of that secular trend. A secular trend meaning 
we're all moving towards this. Help me understand secular there. I presume you don't mean the opposite of religious. So how are you using secular there? It impacts everyone. It's not young or old or Democrat or Republican. It is impacting everyone. It's something we all do regardless of the other things we do in our lives that make us join one group or another. It is impacting everyone. So, you know, just like the cell phone, nobody uses a landline anymore. We indeed have graduated to a cell phone. Nobody types on the typewriter anymore. We have moved on to something called the computer. We see, we at VegTech Invest, the company that has created the VegTech plant-based innovation and climate ETF, the ticker is EATV. I don't even think we mentioned that thus far. So let me say it again. The, the ETF is called VegTech Plant-Based Innovation and Climate ETF. The ticker is EATV, E-A-T-V. So what we believe is that just like moving from the landline to the cell phone, just like moving from the typewriter to the computer, we will be moving to a plant-based foods and material supply system. And so if you are someone who wants to be at the beginning of a trend like that from an investor standpoint, you might put 5% of your portfolio into VegTech. And then if you are someone who has been waiting for this kind of product for a long time, and I'll tell you all the people who reach out to me on my podcast, The Plant-Based Business Hour, asking me like, when is an ETF going to come? When is an ETF going to come? So I know there's a lot of pent-up demand for this kind of product that drives capital to the companies that are innovating for a more efficient and cruelty-free food supply system. Those folks are waiting. They can't get it fast enough. They might invest something like 8 or 10% of their portfolio. But this is what we call a satellite play. It's something that you invest in as time goes on, a little bit more, a little bit more. And ultimately, as the trend grows, you're growing with it. But no one's saying like, take out all the money from the piggy bank and put it in this. No, no one's saying that. Again, I, I see FINRA like taking notes on what I'm saying. Um, so I want to be mindful. You know, this is part of an entire portfolio, not the only thing. Got it. So speaking of portfolios then, so you got these plant-based 40, Elizabeth. So it took some time to figure all this out, who you wanted to, I'm sure it took a lot of diligence. So let's just talk first about who's in here. So you mentioned companies like, of course, people think about Beyond Meat, they think about Oatly, but there's other companies in there and they are not all just vegan food companies. So tell us who are some of the bigger holdings that the fund has and why do you choose them? Yes. So we have a couple criteria that are very important to us. So they can't be involved in producing animal products or animal feed because we don't want to be supporting the entire global food supply chain. So there are companies like, let's say the Tattooed Chef, 50% of their products have dairy in them. So they would not make it into our fund, for example. So we have these guidelines that we set up for ourselves that they have to be actually replacing animal products and not producing or encouraging any animal use or production, as well as actively innovating with plants to uh, create a better food and material supply system. So some of those companies would be like MGP Ingredients and Ingredion. So they are ingredient companies, particularly with Ingredion, you know, they're actively helping plant-based companies scale up and, and doing more than just supplying ingredients. So those types of companies. Then we have... Um, I'll call them plant-based innovation or, you know, veg tech companies like Amaris, which is working on replacing shark squalene as a oil in makeup. So they are a B2B company that's working on fermented proteins as well. Ginkgo Bioworks is also a company that's working on fermented proteins and is working with Motif Foods to replace animal heme with a plant-based heme through fermented proteins. So very exciting there. Then we also have companies like Olaplex and Elf Beauty. These are companies 
that are committed to creating body care, self-care products that don't have any animal ingredients in them. Um, I really am excited about both of those companies, actually. And then we have what I'll say sort of classic ag tech companies like Local Bounty, um, companies that are working on greenhouses and better farming techniques, better agricultural techniques to create plants more prolifically, efficiently, et cetera. So those would be the, if you will, categories that you see in the fund. And again, if you go to eatv.vegtechinvest.com, there's a link there. You can click on the fact sheet and it's going to tell you about these sectors. So we have food and beverage, we have ingredient companies, we have veg tech, you know, the innovation companies, we have the ag tech companies, and we have materials. So not just food. So those would be the five categories. And we are global. So some from Israel, some from Europe, London Stock Exchange, Canada, the US, Hong Kong. So it's a global because obviously our food supply system is global. And we believe we are seeing a shift in the global food supply system. And again, very excited to be the only ETF, at least to our knowledge and our research, that are focusing as we are focusing on plant-based innovation and this secular trend. Very cool. Very cool. So I do want to talk about some of the other ETFs that are out there, but I just want to also ask you, so some of these, and oh, by the way, I do want to just reaffirm what you were saying earlier. You had alluded to this, but just to make it explicit, there are hundreds of startups in the space that venture capital funds are investing in. And oftentimes people say, oh, how can I invest in these early stage companies if I don't have a lot of money like the VCs do to put in? And this is not an answer to that, right? So you're not going to be able to invest in these early stage privately held companies. This is only a way to invest in publicly traded companies, right? So I would argue the opposite. Okay, tell me why I'm wrong. It's not that you're wrong. It's that it's a different way of looking at it. So one of our main goals is to allow, I mean, who's moving the plant-based sector forward? It's Gen Z and millennials, and they don't have the opportunity to invest in venture. That really requires $250,000. If you're lucky, you can find something that's $50,000, but very difficult for the individual, younger individual to do that and to make venture make any sense you want to do $50,000 10 or 20 times. So very difficult to enter into venture. So this is a way that the average individual can partake in this trend, can help support, can help drive capital to these companies that are changing our food supply system, can help participate in getting animals out of the supply system, can invest alongside their values. We all know how good that feels. This is their opportunity to do that because venture just isn't available to them. Right. So you're making an excellent point. It is a way that smaller number investors can get involved in the space. It is not a way, though, that they can invest at these early stage private startups. That, that's all I was saying, right? Yes. Although I will say on the stock market, there are some publicly traded like Eat Beyond. They have several venture companies in their stock, if you will. So they they're on the stock, just like Eat Well Group, which is in our fund. Eat Well Group is out of Canada, and they have several venture companies in their offering of the Eat Well Group. So, Elizabeth, not all of the companies in here are making food ingredients for the plant-based space or, or making materials to replace animal materials like fur and so on. You also have Tesla in here, which is obviously so far a pretty well-performing stock that I'm sure is doing good for your fund and obviously doing a great deal for climate. But aside from climate, is there do you perceive an impact on animals also from the Tesla investment? Oh gosh, 100%. So Tesla committed, the first car company to do this, committed 100% to vegan leather in their cars. 
And leather, automobile leather, is second only to shoe leather in terms of how much leather is produced and its impact on the planet. So when Tesla committed to 100% vegan leather, it also forced other automobile companies to do that. So now Mercedes-Benz and BMW have 50% of their automobile leather is vegan leather. So Tesla has been not only an innovator in how it's using vegan leather and mandating a standard that is 100%, but also they've impacted the industry. So we consider them definitely a plant-based materials company. Oh, very cool. Funny you say that. I think I had actually heard about their weather swap, which I didn't remember hearing. So I appreciate you reminding me of that, but that's very cool. So I'm really glad to hear that. So in addition, though, to the fund that you have, you said that this is you know the only one of its kind on the market. There are some others, though. So for example, I know there's uh, the Van Eck Future of Food ETF, and they do some interesting uh, future food tech investments. They're not entirely plant-based, but tell me, what's the difference? Like, Why is VegTech different from Van Eck, aside from the fact that they are not exclusively doing plant-based. Right. So that's really it. They're not exclusively doing plant-based. So they're not focused on plant-based innovation. They're focused on the food supply in general. So their weights and proportions will be different. So as we really focus on plant-based innovation and technology, you know, their um, packaging and machinery is, you know, I don't really want to talk about their fund because, of course, only they could be the experts on it. But not only do they have meat and dairy companies in there, but their concentration is more up and down the entire industry, like I say, machinery, as well as, you know, ag tech and things like that. So really not focused on plant-based innovation, more general in the food supply system. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. And I saw in their fund that they're investing in companies like Tyson Foods, the largest meat manufacturer in the United States also, which does have its hand in the plant-based uh, waters as well, or I guess their foot in the plant-based waters, but obviously they are, uh, most of their body is in the animal-based water. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned this. I know you have a question for me at the end of this podcast about an interview that I would recommend, but here's a like spoiler alert to how I'm going to answer later. Jeremy Collar was just on the Plant-Based Business Hour, which is my podcast, as you know, and I'm quoting Jeremy here, that Tyson, just Tyson alone, produces more excrement from its dealings than the entire United States. Interesting. It's pretty freaky. So no, Tyson's not in our fund, just to be clear. <laughs> Uh, well, that's interesting. And for those who aren't familiar, Jeremy Collar is the head of Collar Capital. He is a, a British billionaire who has uh, invested a lot in the animal-free protein space. So go check out that interview. Please do. If I can just give a shout out to him. So he is really the preeminent food tech investor in the world. At Collar Capital, he manages $25 billion, but through his efforts funding and founding a fair farm animal investment risk and return, his network of investors represents 47 trillion and he provides them with data about the risks of investing in animal meat and animal production so he is truly a wealth of knowledge and a force to be reckoned with great i'm a big fan of jeremy's and his colleague rosie wardle and more so let's get back to vegtech etf though here elizabeth because this is a business you're not just offering people like the rest of us a chance to invest in the businesses that are being publicly traded that are, are good for animals and the environment but the ETF itself is a business that you and your team are running. So how do you make money from this? Like people invest and then what? Yes. So there is a fee involved with investing, just like with any ETF, you know, and those fees can range anywhere from like 35 bips, you know, these are percentage points or all the way up to 95. So just like you always do when you're investing in the market, you know, there's some kind of transaction fee usually involved. So we have one as well, and it's 75. And again, I would really encourage everybody to go to 
eatv.vegtechinvest.com so that you can see the fee transaction fee involved. And so just to be clear, so to put it in, in layman's terms that people understand, so when you say 75, that means 0.75%. So if you're going to invest $10,000, you're going to be spending $75 in a, basically a payment of a management fee. Is that right? That is exactly right. Got it. Okay, cool. So let me just ask you then, let's say I'm a skeptic, Elizabeth, and I'm looking at Beyond, I'm looking at Oatly, I'm looking at Very Good Food Co. And I'm seeing these stocks have not done that well lately, actually. There's a lot of talk about whether they were overvalued, whether their revenue to to valuation was out of skewed, whether that ratio was basically skewed. So what would you say? What would you say to somebody who's looking at this and says, you know, the most publicly known companies that are in this space, their stocks have not performed well compared to regular S&P 500 index fund type funds. Of late. I mean, I, I don't think you would say that if you got into Beyond Meat in May of 2019 and, you know, you got in at, I think they launched at like $35 and they I went- it was up- 25 actually, if I remember correctly. Oh, well, it's funny that you say that because I tried to get in at 35 and I was like up at six in the morning trying to put my thing in. And before I could, it was already past 35. I think it had like really started at 36. But yes, if you were pre-market, if you were someone who was able to get in earlier than when the market actually opened, I think it was 25 or even less. But for those of us who are, you know, struggling on our apps to do it that day, it was in the 30s and then it shot up to like 58. And then obviously from there at one point, it was at 212, I believe and now has sort of come back down to earth, if you will. So yes, there is some correction for these multiples as these companies are, or the multiples are trading rather high compared to their revenue. So yes, you know, Beyond Meat has been corrected as has the Very Good Butchers and um, Oatly. Now Oatly's a sort of an outlier, I think, because they've come to the market with a lot of lawsuits on their hands. And I think that is just very short term impacting their share price. As we say, we're here for the secular trend. So we're here for the long term investments. We're not like a day trade or something like that. So um, we believe in all of these companies very long term. We also believe, you know, the stock market as a whole, not just plant based, has had a rough January. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but people will probably remember January of 2022 for being a volatile time in the market, regardless of when this comes out. So great time to buy and get in as things are all correcting. But we see that there's no question as to whether the global food supply system is going to change and that that innovation is going to be around getting animals out of the food and material supply system because the animal equation is so efficient. Both you and I talk about that on our podcast. So producing food for a global population as we go from 7.8 billion people on the planet to 10 billion people, but we're not getting more land and we're not getting more water which means we can't throw these resources away. We're going to have to use our land and water better, which means we can't farm animals on them because it's so inefficient. That's just really the high level definition there, explanation there. But so it's no question that we're in part of a secular trend. And we've got, you know, rough economic times this January of 2022, but we don't think that's going to impact things long-term. Got it. So you're basically saying that actually their drop is all the more reason to get in right now because you can essentially buy low and over time, the inefficiency of using animals for food and and clothing and so on is so great that these companies are going to do better. Yes. And I'll just add to that, that this is one of the reasons why we bring an ETF to the market is because you have that diversification of 40 companies. So you're not reliant on, will one company make it? Will one company, you know, you're not tying your entire future to one choice. 
you're spreading it out over 40. And so we're looking at the sector as much as we're looking at any one individual company. Now that said, of course, we do our due diligence for every individual company and not every plant-based company is in our fund because some just aren't run well enough or mature enough or strong enough to be included in the fund, at least today. We are actively managed, so we're constantly making these decisions. What should come in the fund? What should come out of the fund? Both Sasha Goodman and I are experts in the plant-based field, as are you, Paul. Uh, so, you know, we're tightly tied to the research and the trends and speculation as to the future. So we're deep in the knowledge of this field, but not every company is going to make it into the fund. That's funny you say that because I was talking with a friend of mine, Stu Stromwasser, who runs Green Circle Capital. And he was telling me, listen, there are some people that will just invest in anything that'll save a cow. And that's not a good investment strategy because some people want to save cows might not be good business people. And so I think it's funny that you're, you're mentioning that because, of course, you want to make it clear that it's not just being good for animals. It's also good, sound business plans that they can succeed with. A hundred percent. So I'll add to that. That's why our name is VegTech. And that's why we focus on plant-based innovation. And so it is exciting to see those consumer products at the grocery store. You say, hey, I recognize Beyond Meat. That's super fun. But we're really looking at the ingredient companies, the business-to-business supply companies, the innovation companies, the technology companies up and down the supply chain really pushing the entire sector forward with technology and innovation. Got it. Okay. Well, very cool. So Elizabeth, you have a very long history of doing good in the world for animals. This has been a real motivating factor for you for a very long period of your life. And you have started a number of endeavors to try to get the word out through a whole variety of means, this ETF being the latest one. So first, my hat's off to you for having a, a career of animal advocacy and making a business out of it. I really admire that. So I want to ask you, for somebody who has the experience and the expertise that you do, and you're talking to dozens and dozens of companies and investors on your podcast, you've done so much diligence for this ETF. If there are resources out there that have been helpful for you that you would recommend to other people, what would those be? If somebody's like, you know, I really admire Elizabeth, I want to try to follow in her footsteps and do good in the world via business, what do you think would be something you would recommend? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to say, because you did sort of alert me to this early on, and I'm going to list off many things that have been inspiring to me. From a general inspiration standpoint, I guess you could say business as well, but generally just inspiration as a whole. Get your hands on Jane Goodall's books, any of them. If you can see her speak in public, she exudes knowledge and compassion and smarts and science and peace. Her delivery, her way of speaking, it is hard to leave a Jane Goodall event without feeling that the situation has been life-affirming for you. So I, I definitely recommend that. Now, from a business standpoint... And before you go on, I do want to interrupt just to say that I loved her book, Harvest for Hope, which is a, a great look at the food system in particular. So of course, most people know Jane Goodall for her advocacy for great apes, but she has a wonderful book about farm animals and agriculture in general called Harvest for Hope, which I do recommend. And we'll include notes to that in the show notes for this episode at businessforgoodpodcast.com. Okay, Elizabeth, what else? Okay, so go to YouTube and find creative director John Schoencraft, S-C-H-O-O-N-C-R-A-F-T. I believe I've got that right. He talks about how Oatly took their adverse situation of the Swedish dairy lobby, pummeling them basically when they were just a small alt-dairy company. And they took the Swedish dairy lobby lawsuit and turned that into an ad campaign, sharing with everyone how this Goliath of 
a lobby was pummeling this small startup. And that's really what, you know, Oatly's been around for 20, 25 years. But it was that ad campaign that really turned the consumers in their favor and changed their business direction forever, really. So it's a very fun and inspirational video about how you can be the underdog and come out on top with very small dollars and resources of being crafty with what you've got. I love that. And then, of course, I I have to send people, so sorry, everybody, but I have to send you to my podcast, Plant-Based Business Hour. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts, so iTunes and other places, or you can go to elizabethalfano.com, plant-based hyphen business hyphen hour. But catch that interview with Jeremy Collar. There's also a great interview with Walter Robb, who's the former co-CEO of Whole Foods, and he talks about the plant-based sector in general, saying that in his 40 years of working in the food industry, he's never seen a sector grow like the plant-based innovation sector has and that he thinks it's a trend akin to digitization. So he's a big inspiration for us as we create VegTech, the plant-based innovation and climate ETF on the New York Stock Exchange. So just a plant-based business hour in general, I could help with business. Cool. Okay. Well, we will definitely link to those specific interviews along, of course, with your website at businessforgoodpodcast.com on the show notes for this episode. So Elizabeth, you end every episode of your podcast by asking people if they have any go-to phrase that they like to use when they are feeling down in the dumps. So I'm going to ask you that first, and then I'm going to ask you what I end, what I ask everybody at the end of each of the Business for Good podcast episodes. So first, life is giving you lemons. You are down in the dumps. What do you do? I've got two phrases that I go to. One is a straight physics phrase, a body in motion stays in motion doesn't really matter if you're not making huge strides that day. Keep moving. Might be baby steps, might be inches, might be centimeters. Keep moving. A body in motion stays in motion. My next phrase, which I always stand by as well, nose to the grindstone, eyes to the sky. Nice. Very nice. Well, I told you when you asked me this on your podcast, I told you my phrase is actually, I just say, hey, Siri, call Tony. And I call my wife. That is my experience. If things are hard, I call my wife. So she is a great source of of advice and comfort to me. So I also, though, do have on my wall here a quote from the very sage and wise philosopher, Rocky Balboa, who said, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And I think about that often when I feel like if I have fallen, can I get back up and and keep going? And so you're going to like physics and maybe like Isaac Newton. I'm going to Rocky Balboa here. (laughs) One of my favorite movies, though, like Rocky 1 and 2, like some of the greatest movies ever. Yes. What about 4, though? Are you going to neglect the fight against Ivan Drago? Oh, I hated that one. No, why? Why? Wait, it just why? felt so canned. Whereas Rocky Balboa in one and two was really this like heartfelt character I could relate to. By the time it got to four, I didn't relate to the individual so much. It felt more like a movie promotion. I don't know. Sorry. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, I, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I do like four as well, which is kind of this iconic Cold War Rocky for those of you who haven't seen it. But I think that the first Rocky, which won the Oscar for Best Picture, was very deserving of it. And I agree with you. It's a very heartwarming tale for a lot of reasons. So, Okay, wait, can I give a sense we're going off track here? Can I give a little bit of detail to this? So Rocky, when they were filming it, there's that one scene when he comes back home in the middle of the night after he says like, hey, my shorts are wrong. People are going to have to see the movie. You know what I'm talking about? But And he goes to the ring the night before the fight and he says, hey, you know, you've painted my shorts wrong. You've got me not looking correctly. And they say, oh, well, who cares? Just put on a show. And he comes home to sleeping Adrian and he, and he says, 
I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I just have to go the distance. I just have to stay standing. And she says, okay, don't worry about it. And they go to sleep. So the like behind the scenes story that I've heard is that they didn't have any money to keep shooting. And so everybody said, you have to cut this scene. And Sylvester Stallone said, let me just do it in one take because this is integral to understanding that he doesn't even care if he wins. Winning for him, the personal win is just to stay standing. And I always love that, that he like advocated for that scene and did it in one take. Very nice. The movie is admittedly like over 40 years old, but I still don't want to have a spoil alert and tell anybody whether he beats Apollo or not. But know that what Elizabeth is saying is very relevant to the outcome of the movie here. All right. Well, some other time we're going to have to talk about Rocky because uh, it is a, a great passion of mine. But in final here, Elizabeth, I do want to ask you, you've, you've started a lot of things, from podcasts, ETFs, and a, a consulting business and more. But I presume that somebody who is a serial entrepreneur like yourself is and a serial creator like yourself has lots of ideas about what you hope will be created in the world and you just don't have the time to do it or maybe you don't think you're the one to do it for whatever reason. And so if there are people out there who are thinking, I would like to do something good in the world like what Elizabeth is talking about, but I'm not sure where to start. What ideas would you put out there to help people who maybe want to do something? What would you suggest needs to be created? I'm looking for plant-based materials like plant-based wool. I'd really like to see a good plant-based wool out there. I know a lot of folks are working on plant-based leather. Thank you, everybody. They're working on plant-based makeup and soap and shampoos and things. This is great. Candles, all this kind of stuff. I want to see a good plant-based wool. Go for it, everybody. All right. You heard it here. Well, maybe uh, we will be having the founder of whatever the plant-based wool company that gets started from this inspiration. Today, Elizabeth will be a future guest on this show. So we'll see. That would be really fun. I, I would love to talk about that. But I want to say thank you for all that you're doing to help animals and the planet. Congratulations on the launch of this new fund. I know it's been a real labor for you. We've talked about it many times in the process of you creating it. And I am really thrilled to see it get birthed into the world here. So we will include in the show notes links to everywhere where you can go and find this fund and find Elizabeth, find her podcast and more. And thanks to everybody for all you're doing to help create a kinder, and more humane and more sustainable world. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you found use in this episode. If so, don't keep it to yourself. Please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we hope you will be in the business of doing good.